welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Can Virgil van Dyke skate is the question. I'm testing you here, Brad. What sport am I referring to? Well, Virgil... I remember him as a professional wrestler. Yes. You're on the right track. Good. Yeah. That's as far as I'm going. (laughs) Wow. No. Soccer or football, depending on what part of the world and how uh, pedantic you're going to be. But no, Virgil van Dyke is the best defender in the world playing for current UEFA Champions League uh, reigning champions, Liverpool FC. Rejoice, Brad. Rejoice. Jurgen Klopp did it. I appreciate him for his name. Jurgen Klopp or Virgil van Dijk? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that was a great game for all you Liverpool fans. Although, I, as I found out, um, the moment you start tweeting about anything that's not hockey, you just hemorrhage followers. You, people just get so mad. And sometimes they even mention, like, why are you talking about this? I'm like, man, it's the off season. I, I follow other sports. It's Twitter. The Twitter is literally just for talking and speaking your thoughts. Were you expecting this to all be one thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. But uh, yeah. So I'll save the Liverpool talk. But um, go Reds. You'll never walk alone. That's all I have to say. My followers understand that for 16 Sundays a year, you're going to have to deal with at least a couple angry Buffalo Bills tweets. Yeah. You're. Uh, you, you. I always find that you have a steady stream of Bills stuff. Yeah, like every Sunday during a game, I'll I'll tweet some thoughts. Not very often, not like I do during Red Wings games, but enough to to let you know I'm upset. Um, I tweeted something about Kawhi, like just a like a joke about Kawhi, and then someone was like, "I thought you were a Detroit sports fan." Oh well, guess not. I I, I mean, I still am. It's just the Raptors are playing right now, and the Pistons aren't right. So I'll probably be talking more about the Raptors, if at all. But uh, yeah, it's lost on some people. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco, and technically I'm wearing a Raptors shirt. Oh, yeah, you got the Huskies shirt on. Yeah, I got it. We, we, last game Crystal and I went to was Huskies night. Oh, you're not going to uh, the game tonight? No, I don't have $50,000 to burn. No. <laughs> I have things to pay for, Ryan. Yeah, I'm really glad we scrapped that law in Ontario about resale, because those tickets sure are at a reasonable price right now. What's the average ticket price? Actually, don't tell me the answer to that. Um, I think it's a, a Ford F-150. The cheapest price was for the pre-sale. So you had to be like a season ticket holder who was allowed into that pre-sale. And it was still like 850 Canadian dollars. Oh, my God. And it's, and Which is like 30 American dollars, mind you. So And people are paying it comfortably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, on to hockey. We uh, This is our second of three mock drafts that we'll be doing. Um, Evan is currently traversing Europe, so we brought Max in for this mock draft. Well, are, are we doing the 2019 mock first, or are we doing the 2038 mock draft first? Because um, I have I can probably comfortably guess the first overall pick that year. Well, let's do 2038 right now. Let's talk about okay. that. Okay, first overall uh, will be the Detroit Red Wings have traded up from um, pick 32 yeah to number one to select name to be determined crisco yes right-handed shooting defenseman uh sitting about six foot two a comfortable but mobile 207 pounds um don't want to call him a two-way defender because that'll take away from how excellent his offensive game is but uh he is a staunch defender and can be used in any situation um fantastic beard as well unlike his father so uh (laughs) 
and just a great leader. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a quick insight into 2038. Obviously, that's a little ways away, but we'll be getting to that in uh, later episodes as well. Yeah, this is this is absolutely true. The only <laughs> question, the only problem is his father wears number 19. That will not be allowed in Detroit, so he's probably going to have to flip the numbers. But 91's now retired. Probably in 2037. He'll take his uh, godfather's favorite number and wear 14 because Detroit never retired that after Shanahan. So, okay. yeah, he'll be allowed to take 14. There we go. Uh, if you guys haven't picked it up, Brad's uh, second that's on the way, the uh, the gender reveal has happened upstairs just for me. Brad, <laughs> Brad popped some blue confetti at me, and uh, they're expecting a boy. Hey, congrats, man. Thank you. You did it. You wanted two kids, a boy, a girl, three years apart. Nailed it. Nuclear family. Congratulations. There we go. We can now settle in as just a nice, comfortable family of... Just kidding. We have no money. We're going to be on the street <laughs> soon. Uh, what? Podcasts don't pay out well? No. We no. We have money. We just spent it all on tickets for uh, tonight. <laughs> the uh, So Mika's draft year is what? 2035? 20... No. 2036. Okay. Because the reason... Oh, no. Because Sorry. Her birthday. Yeah, because Meek is an early birthday, whereas Baby Two's a late birthday. So instead of it being 2037, it'll be a 2038. Yeah. For the record, I'm petitioning for Henrik to be the name, although Henrik Crisco is hard. So it's going to sound like Henry Crisco when you say it. We just call him Hank. Hank, I would. I would never be more proud if you guys <laughs> just went full on and called him Hank. What else? What else could you call him? Uh, well, oh, your face when you found out the name. If it was a girl, though. Oh yeah. Oh, that was priceless if it was a girl I, I think you thought like we were joking for a second then you re- realized that no that was actually going to be the name when crystal brought it up i would have been so happy yeah if it was a girl and and this is a testament to how stupid we are mm-hmm. uh, just as a podcast and myself specifically here if it was a girl she was going to be named larkin audrey crisco it was picked out and done I love it. I think that would have been perfect. We haven't agreed on a boy's name yet, so that's still to be determined. But so it it, it it's not to be. With uh, although you know Ryan what? was peti- petitioning to rename Mika, <laughs> I, I don't think it's too late. You can rename dogs when you adopt them. Why not just rename Mika? She'd be fine. She'll roll with it. <laughs> we uh, we'll take uh, suggestions from the listeners. Yeah, I we me and Crystal are very <laughs> open to suggestion right now because we have agreed on almost nothing. Uh, so before we get to the mock draft, uh, which will be the main chunk of this episode let's talk about um what's happening in the world of hockey specifically the stanley cup finals um game three was last night and before game three i was preaching that the winner of that game would uh be the likely winner of the series and i know that's easy to say because they'd be have the lead but my my reasoning was in game one boston looked far and away the better team um they looked like as long as boston was playing their game and playing to like a majority of their potential between that and Tuka Rask being an absolute freak, they would be absolutely fine rolling over St. Louis. St. Louis played a really hard-fought game. Boston came out kind of flat in Game 2, and St. Louis uh, won it in overtime. And so I thought, you know, this really just depends on how much gas St. Louis has in the tank and how much they're able to grind these games out. But Boston in Game 3 came out and absolutely dominated a St. Louis team that wasn't prepared where Jordan Bennington absolutely collapsed behind them. It was a 5-2 game before the net was pulled and it ended up 7-2. So, um, yeah, I, it's hard to say that Boston doesn't have it in firmly in their grasp right now, right? 
hockey is one of the sports I really don't believe in momentum, honestly. Yeah? Because Boston had 11 days off and came out blazing in the finals in game one. So, after watching game one, I think we all thought that Boston was going to walk through that series and then St. Louis came out. Even though it went overtime, St. Louis dominated that game. I don't know. I it's Again, I said before the finals, I'm not betting against Boston. Nothing to this point has made me change that opinion. I do think St. Louis is going to rebound in game four. Um, whether or not they can squeak out a win or not, no. But it'll be a good game. And I I, I would guess St. Louis is going to win. Keep Make it a good series. But yeah, overall, Boston only has to win two more games. I, I have a hard time not seeing that happening. The biggest difference maker you can have on your team isn't any single forward or defenseman. It is a goalie who is on fire. And that Tuka Rask is. This guy, if Boston follows through and wins the cup, has cemented himself as a great, like, easy Hall of Famer, right? Like, I just. Hall of Famer is going to be up for debate because his. I, I legitimately don't remember. Has he won any major individual awards? Uh, I, I actually don't know. I want to say he's got one Vesna, but I don't. I think he does. Does he not? Because if he's got a Vesna and if he has two cups to his name, then yeah, I think he's got a pretty good case. Even though most Boston fans want him run out, wanted him run out of town as recently as two months ago. Um, yeah, he won the Vesna in 2014. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, he's got a good case for it as of this point. Uh, one Vesna. If, well, if he w- wins the Vesna, Con Smythe uh, this year and another cup. Oh, yeah. He, Boston can win the next two games 7-6. He's still getting the consummise. His career NHL save percentage right now is a 921. That's stupid. His playoff save percentage is a 924 across 65 games. Yeah, he's probably... Oh, that's not even counting this season. Yeah, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Like I said... Tuka, the moment Tuka Rask absolutely blew up and had, just became an infallible wall, I was like, yeah, it's really going to take a lot to to beat Boston. I'm not saying it's insurmountable for St. Louis, but they are going to have to squeeze out every little bit of energy and willpower that they have um, and just kind of hope for the best. They have to get some pucks bouncing their way. Um, still a good series to watch, though. I It kind of sucked to watch yesterday because like, Boston went up 4-1. Oh, that offside review was just like, at first glance, you're like, oh, that's definitely offside. But then you realize that the camera angles weren't showing that St. Louis brought the puck in. And so you're like, oh, now it's a penalty against them. And then Boston went up 4 nothing, And then St. Louis scored and it was 4-1. Like, that's great. St. Louis has some momentum. It might be a fun game to watch now. And just 5-1 almost immediately after. And you're like, ah, well. Small aside, let's ban offside reviews. Anyway. Yeah. I actually took a screenshot because on my, uh, <laughs> I tweeted out said, "Oh boy, here come the spirit of the game, Banshees." <laughs> and then the tweet right below it was you saying, "Hey, quick, uh, quick note, ban all offside reviews." <laughs> <laughs> Two different schools of thought here. Yeah, because we really need to ban offside reviews. Uh, I did end up being wrong in that instance because it wasn't offside, um, and they were right, and so or like the call on the ice was correct, and so my whole thing about calling people like you Banshees was wrong to start but just in that instance you won this battle but the war is still to be determined brad yes the war is going to be determined next year when we have 97 video reviews a game and everybody hates everybody and nothing makes sense because these video reviews determine nothing definitively more pee bricks brad more pee bricks um you know what 
Well, yeah, no. As a Red Wings fan, I'm going to need them for the amount of alcohol I'm likely to consume next year. We're going to uh, save some of the good stories for a midweek episode because we did uh, have a nice long chat with Max. Uh, We'll be talking about his article, which is an insight into how Steve Eisenman drafted. And then furthermore, we're going to be doing our mock draft, which actually extends beyond the first round. So... (laughs) At the last minute. At the last minute. We we impromptu did a 37-pick mock yeah. draft. <laughs> so uh, tune into that, and we will see you on the other side. Welcome to the second version of the Winged Wheel podcast mock draft. Special guest, special drafter, Max Boltman joining us. Thank you, Max, uh, for uh, upgrading your uh, interview interviewee software and uh, jumping in on this mock draft with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been a while. What has it been? Almost 14 days? I know. It was, we had a Patreon exclusive episode in there, and then, I don't know, things got a little crazy. I actually deleted your number from my phone, so. Wow, that's devastating. Yeah. Wait, Max, do I have your number? Or we do, do we communicate purely through Twitter? Almost exclusively through Twitter, but we have talked on the phone, so I assume that we have each other's number. If that's not your number, then I have something that's not your number saved as your number. Oh, that's funny. I think you might have like uh, what comes through when we call you <laughs> through my laptop. <laughs> yeah, you don't have I my have real laptop's number. number. Yeah, I'll send you my number later. Anyhow, uh, we have Max Boltman here today, and uh, of course, Brad is sitting on my right, grinning like an idiot because he has been given the third and sixth choices in our mock draft, so he is thrilled. Uh, but I we- am Steve Eiserman. <laughs> Before we dive into that. Is there someone cutting their hedges right outside your window, Brad? It sounds like it literally 30 seconds after we started recording. That's brilliant. Uh, Max, you wrote a great piece um, on a lot of uh, a lot of questions that Red Wings fans have been asking, which is how does Steve Eisenman's uh, history, uh, how can that inform us on what's to come for this draft? So uh, tell us a little bit about what you dug up and, and what Red Wings fans might be able to expect. Yeah, I mean, a couple of really interesting nuggets that I think are maybe interesting for not quite the reasons that it might originally seem. So the first one is that every single year, his first pick, which has not always been a first-round pick and is not to be confused with every first-round pick, but his first pick has always been from the CHL, which is the you know the, the banner term for the QMJHL, WHL, OHL. Um, my theory as to why, when you combine it with, I, I went back and I counted up by hand because I'm not nearly as uh, data savvy as as our friend Prashant. I counted by hand every pick for the last uh, nine years uh, in you know out of the CHL. The Lightning took the fourth most players out of the CHL total at every single one of their first picks in that you know Eiserman and Tampa span. My theory is that there's just is less of a sign that like he's going to take a CHL player first this year and more of a just that is where he is seems to be the most confident in the overall known quantity league like everyone scouts the CHL really thoroughly you know what you're getting because people, you know the NHL has been pulling from the CHL forever so my theory is it's a it's a league that he can be really confident in so i would expect especially when it comes to those 3 seconds and maybe even the first pick um some pretty strong CHL presence that bears out in 2016, for example, um, the lightning had three seconds, all of them were OHL and WHL guys. And then they went back there in the third round too. Um, so I, I think you should expect to see a, a good chunk of guys out of Canada. Maybe that's not a huge surprise, but, um, you know, they, they drafted out of the CHL 
more than the other teams by by enough of a margin that I think that feels that feels like a, something to watch. And the other one was about Russia, which I think people generally are kind of aware that he has not shied away from drafting out of Russia. I did not know it was extreme as it was. Like we're not talking about just like all Russians because some Russians come over and play in the CHL, and then you you're pretty confident that they're not you know a threat to to go back and stay in Russia for their whole career. But drafting out of the Russian leagues, he he did that almost twice as much as any other team in the league in that span. So there are some some good Russians in this draft, um, including a guy who could be a candidate with their first pick, Vasily Podkolzin. Um, I would expect there to be some some Russian influence on this draft class, and if not this one, then certainly the ones to come. Now I have a totally unfair question for you because I think we all know the answer. Um, how much of this is how, how how much of this can we confidently say is um, Eisenman and, and his philosophies and his beliefs, or uh, more of a product of who he surrounded himself with? And, and the reading between the lines question is: Was this Al Murray that dictated these trends, or do you do you think this is something that's liable to come over with Eisenman and have him project onto this team in Detroit? Right, that's a great question. I mean, that that's something that I, I kind of discuss a little bit in the article. And the conclusion is you can't really separate it for for conclusion based purposes. But you know, if 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 anyone really thinks that we can have a firm conclusion on a draft that hasn't happened yet, three weeks out, I have some terrible news for them. Um, <laughs> like the the better way to read it is this is how they did it, and whether or not Eisman was the driving force behind it, it it is it does account for the sum total of his GM experience. So whether or not he was the guy behind it, I think it's a pretty fair assumption that he will bring at least some of those um, ideologies and tendencies with him to the conversations in Detroit. Maybe Detroit, maybe when he's in Detroit, like Chris Draper or something tells him something um, about his own philosophy and, and Eisenman is swayed um, to, to maybe ease up on one of them. But I think you can pretty confidently say that Eisenman's um, contributions to the scouting meetings, which, as the general manager, are going to carry a little bit of weight, um, <laughs> will will be very heavily informed by this drafting profile. So you're saying that the things that happen under the tenure of a general manager does ultimately <laughs> fall on a general manager. That's interesting. I'm going to go travel back in time and win some arguments. Thanks for that, Max. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it, it is one of those interesting things because. I am a big advocate for assigning credit to one person in a hockey front office on just about anything is insane. Like even when you go and look at like an individual scout who really advocated for a guy, you still had to convince the scouting director to put him high on a board. You still had to convince the GM to pull the trigger. When you go to free agents, it's it's like it's a combination of pro scouts, um, assistant GM, cap guys, like whatever, and the GM having to do these things. So. Assigning all the credit and blame to a GM, bad. Assigning none of the credit to a GM, bad. But using uh, all the context we have available to try and figure out, you know, someone's um, overall inputs, uh, maybe not good, but but less bad. <laughs> um, so you were at the uh, combine over the course of the I weekend. It was um, obviously there's a million questions to be had there, and I know you have some work coming out. About that, so I won't dig into it too much. Uh, but any big stories, any major things that came out uh, from that combine, or was it more or less business as usual in terms of what to expect? Yeah, I mean the combine's kind of interesting. I think uh, it was uh, Namita Nanakumar that put this on Twitter. Like 
the NHL combine is a lot of a lot of white kids trying to do a pull up. That's <laughs> not totally wrong. <laughs> um, it is also a lot of media members standing uh, atop the um, what is an unbelievable like hotel slash like it's like connected to the arena. So there's like a the hockey rink connected to the Marriott lobby. Um, area so we're all just kind of waiting outside this rink so that when all the players come through in their groups of you know two to six um we can all kind of talk to these you know i think there's like 120 kids there so for like seven hours it's a lot of standing around waiting and trying to talk to these prospects only so that you know you and certainly i'm not saying i didn't ask this question once or twice and you know 50 other people can ask them you know who did you meet with oh has this week been overwhelming all that stuff (laughs) You hope to come out of there with a few really useful nuggets. I think I did, and like Ryan said, it will be in um, a couple of different stories this week. We'll have something on on the first-round pick. We'll have something on uh, where the Red Wings might look for some of their second-round picks, um, or at least you know who who looks like a candidate at that spot, who met with them, et cetera. Um, so there, there was some interesting stuff to be had there, but I think – as combines go, this was my first one. I'm not expecting a whole lot of variance from year to year. <laughs> the uh, the good thing about all this, guys, is that this is for the listeners, is that um, Max has not slowed down in the offseason, um, just like us. And so if you want to get the full dig on all of this, uh, theathletic.com, look for Max Baltman's work. It's the least you could do if you enjoy having him on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to push us over to our mock draft now. Uh, Max, we gave you your choice of pick, and you took the uh, coward's way out and took uh, Hughes or the the New Jersey Devils' first overall pick. And so we'll go Max, myself, and then Brad, and then just repeat for the first round. And uh, you know, I just want to push back and say that <laughs> if taking the number one overall pick is the coward's way out, like what is anybody doing? Like, <laughs> would you call? Would you dare to call Ray Shiro a coward for wanting the number one overall pick? Uh, no. It's, okay, so it's it's flipped, right? <laughs> you put me on the spot. Don't <laughs> don't snitch tag me, Max. This is going to come back to bite me. Um, so we'll start off with you, and then I'll read out who the teams are, because I know that's it's going to be difficult to try and keep track of that. Uh, so the New Jersey... And you, what you're doing is, is who you think would be the best player or the right player at that spot. You don't have to consider what that team needs, or what they're likely to pick. That's not what this draft is. It's you, Max Boltman, are now the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to move to New Jersey as well, so. Sorry about that. Oh, that's, I was not informed of this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, if you want to push back on that first overall pick, that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's go. I'll take Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes to the New Jersey Devils first overall. All right. Uh, and the New York Rangers are going to take Capo Caco. Second overall. Brad, GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, so now we're at the picks where we have to start explaining ourselves. Yeah. So when it comes to the draft, I'm always a firm believer in best player available, and you only go by positional need if it's a dead tie between two prospects at different positions. I don't believe there's a dead tie here between two guys, although it's very, very, very close. So I, as the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks, am going to pick... Bowen Byram from Vancouver of the WHL. Chicago has a lot of great defensive prospects. They probably have a bigger need at center, but Byram is a special talent, and I don't believe Chicago has a number one caliber defenseman in their system right now. So this should get them there. 
All right. All right. For the LA Kings, Max. No, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Sorry. Colorado by way of Ottawa, Max. Uh, I'm going to take Bowen Byram. And I know that the popular sentiment is that. You can't take Bowen Byram. I just took Bowen Byram. You did? I did. Oh, man. Oh, geez. (laughs) Max had me muted. Hold on. We can take players twice. Quick. We take Jack Hughes, six overall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll take Alex Turcott then. That's a no brainer. Um, The popular sentiment is that the. Avalanche kind of want a forward. Uh, I think if, if someone like Alex Turcott is there, that does become a slam dunk. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much explaining it needs. He's, he's a highly skilled two-way center, uh, competes uh, like a MFer, and uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a baller. I think he's a great pick. He, he behind Nathan McKinnon, gives them a phenomenal one-two punch. I mean, that team's going to be loaded for, for the next several years. I don't. I don't think Chicago is going to take Byram. I would take Byram if I was Chicago, but I really hope Chicago does take a center because that Colorado pick would get so much more interesting. Yeah, I thought that's where we were going. I kind of like in my head, I was like readying my explanation. That's why I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to being friends with Brad Crisco, Max. It's... Hey, it's best player available, and I have Byram number three. Bite me. So, speaking of best player available, um, having the pick for the LA Kings here right before Detroit, it is extremely difficult for me not to leave my preferred pick for Detroit um, on the board for pick six, but because we are the GMs of these teams, hypothetically, the LA Kings fifth overall, I am going to take who I have ranked fifth on my list, Trevor Zegras. Um, I think the more I look at him... No, he's not as complete and as uh, has as high of a ceiling as Alex Turcotte, but in terms of game-breaking talent, Zegers' playmaking potential uh, is through the roof. Uh, LA is going to need to go through a rebuild, whether they like it or not, and the amount of time it's going to take him to make the NHL will uh, likely align with when they need to come out of that. So I think Zegers would be a great grab for LA at 5th overall. Congratulations, Ryan. You just... Made my nightmare one through five as a Red Wings fan. Yeah, that's it. Hughes, Kako, Byram, Turcotte, Zegers would legitimately be worst case scenario as Red Wings fans, in our opinion. Yeah, for us. So now Compare I. Compare the feeling to the despondence you guys had on lottery night. <laughs> um, this is why we had the despondence on lottery night. <laughs> the despondence was about to the Turcotte. Honestly, the despondence was more about Turcotte than Hughes. Because of that, <laughs> the the win streak, which you can't technically be mad about, and the Chicago jumping Detroit, or in Detroit bumping down two spots, and now they miss out on one of Byram or Turcotte, is so much... Yeah, no, this is worse. This is definitely worse. This is that despondence manifest into an actual bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I get that. <laughs> Sorry, Max. I know that's grim. Well- Oh, it's fine for me. I was just curious. <laughs> so this leads me into living my childhood dream and actually being Steve Eisman for a few minutes. Now, the reason I'm just, I don't like this top five is because I have a player ranked six who I think is equally good skill-wise as Trevor Zegers, but Trevor Zegers fills a far bigger need for Detroit. Now, at number six overall, I'm going to take Cole Caulfield. And he's going to spend at least one year at... He's going to Wisconsin, right? 
Caulfield, yeah. Yeah, so he'll be at, he'll spend at least one year at Wisconsin, which may allow Detroit to address the playmaker need in the next draft or in with one of the many second-round picks they have this year. Caulfield's scoring ability cannot be denied. Alex Dabrinkit has proved that you can be roughly four feet tall and score in the NHL, so that's not a mega concern for me. And, I mean, the dude scored, what, 72 goals this year? He's the all-time USNTDB goal-scoring leader over guys like Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews, etc., etc. Yeah, I'm very comfortable and happy to take Cole Caulfield at number six. All right. And with the seventh pick, uh, the Buffalo Sabres select Bowen Byram. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we can do that again? Um, (laughs) uh, The Sabres will select Dylan Cousins. Um. And I, I think that this is kind of a, a tough scenario for the Sabres. I think that they want Zegras. I think that they met with him a couple times this week. And so I think that uh, losing out on him will be tough. But I think slotting a guy like Cousins in behind Jack Eichel is kind of a, a good lineup construction move for them. You get the offensive dynamo and Eichel feeding what sounds like it's going to be Jeff Skinner for the next several years. Uh, then you can slot... Cousins on that second line, he can be more your two-way guy, still has tons of speed, can be responsible two ways, still has a big shot, so you're getting some offensive firepower. Um, he does have a, a right-handed bomb for their power play. Uh, I think Cousins probably is the guy who makes the most sense there for Buffalo. All right, so uh, other than being smug about the top seven going exactly as per my rank, oh, no, never mind, Byram and Turkow are flipped. Thanks for nothing, Brad. So it went almost exactly as my rankings up to pick six. What an unfair curveball that was. I still can't believe that that happened. Yeah, well. I am so happy that I rattled both of you. <laughs> uh, I think at number eight overall, everything past you know, pick two, uh, you can make an argument for any guy, so you do see need come into play more here. I think Edmonton's going to be looking for someone um, who can play with uh, either Drysaddle or McDavid and spread those two out. So I think Edmonton is going to select uh, Matthew Boldy, uh, left winger out of the U.S. and TDP. Um, pretty effective in all facets of the game. His skating isn't phenomenal, but when you're paired with guys like Drysaddle and McDavid, I think generating open ice won't be too difficult. Um, and with some uh, improvements to the weaknesses in his game, I think he would be a great job, uh, do a great job on their left, left wing. So Matthew Boldy to the Edmonton Oilers. Brad, ninth overall to Anaheim. The Anaheim Ducks, a team that is just entering the rebuild, at least should be. Mm-hmm. The reason I mention that is because they've got some time. They're in no rush for whoever they draft here. And they have needs pretty much everywhere. So I'm going to take, again, just straight up best player available and go with Vasily Podkolzin to the Ducks. Have the Ducks ever taken a Russian that high in like recent years? They just did, Mac. <laughs> I thought they took <laughs> Bowen Byron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 10th overall to Vancouver, Max. Man, um, Vancouver is interesting because they have some big pieces. They have Horvat. They have Pedersen. I think they would have been a great candidate to get Boldy as a big play winger on that line. And I'm even a little hesitant to go the direction I'm going to go because they already do have two awesome centers. Uh, but I think that Peyton Krebs is a baller. He played for a 
rough team in, in the WHL this year. Um, but he, he has some tools. He's he, re- reasonably local kid, I guess. I'm sure they've seen him a lot. Um, but you know, in, in talking to him a little bit at the combine yesterday in the media scrum, really impressive kid. He's going to be good in their locker room. He just adds another really high talent player to their to their young core. Um, and I think getting Krebs at ten is, is is a solid pick for them. So with uh, despite how how low I have him in my rankings, I, I have my next pick ranked number ten. We're currently at the eleventh overall pick for Philadelphia. Um, even though I think this guy is you know, in the real world liable to go in the top five. And we've seen a lot of news about that of him maybe even going to LA at fifth overall. Uh, I think if Kirby Doc drops to 11, he will fall no further than that. And Philadelphia would be happy to select a possible uh, number one or number two center at 11th overall, which is kind of hard to come by. Um, that would be a pretty easy pick for any team in that range, no matter what you think about Kirby Doc. Um, would be fantastic value um, that late in the first round. Man, I thought I was going to have to drop Doc for a second. I, I saved you from it. Probably. I was getting ready to take him <laughs> at 12, and I'm like, this is going to feel weird. Okay. Uh, so we've now reached the part of the draft where I have enough prospects so similarly ranked that I think positions coming into factor here because technically on my list next, I have a defenseman, but Minnesota has severe needs at forwards, and I have a forward available here who I have ranked almost equally to the defenseman I have ranked. So I'm going position of need at number 12 to the Minnesota Wild, and I'm taking Alex Newhook out of the Victoria of the BCHL. Minnesota is getting old. They can't score goals. They have a lot of promising young defensemen already on the team and coming through the system. I do not know off the top of my head what they have coming for forwards other than Kaprizov. So yeah, Alex Newhook is going to do well there. The Florida Panthers would have to be, I think, very happy in this scenario uh, to have Philip Broberg fall to them. Um, they do have some really promising young talent in their system, but a lot of it is is up the up top. I mean, when you look at where what they're kind of building, especially if they're able to bring in a couple of the names in Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky that have been kind of linked to them this summer, um, along with already obviously having Barkov, Huberto, who you know you, you think would probably stay, but they may have to. I don't know. Maybe they have to move his contract. Who knows? But uh, what they're building with you know Henrik Borgstrom, Gregory Denisenko, uh, is Owen Tippett still a, a Florida Panther property? Uh, he is. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's that they are going to have some really promising young players. So you add Broberg into that mix. Um, obviously, there have been some questions about Broberg this year. And I have not, um, I have not been immune to asking them. But I think when you look at the total package here of tools, the skating is crazy. Um, I, you know, adding him to Florida's system is, 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 with the potential to really be like a swing kind of first, second pair guy and get the most out of him. Um, that could be a really good situation for both parties. All right, so the Arizona Coyotes won't be able to select Broberg. Thanks for nothing, Max. Um, I think at this point, uh, Arizona will uh, see Arthur Kaliev on the board, and um, maybe John Shaka does his, um, you know, magic number voodoo and sees that the the tangible risk is not worth passing up on Arthur Arthur Kaliev, and he takes the fifty goal, fifty assist man out of the out of Hamilton of the OHL. Uh, to play left wing for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I think Kaliev has 
of the guys who have an insane amount of potential but some major blocks is the one that's most likely to come out of this draft and make people think, oh man, 13 teams passed on him. That was incredibly stupid. Um, has incredible offensive talent. Um, isn't a great skater. Um, sometimes his his work ethic comes into uh, question, but if those things can be rounded out, I think he would be he would do a fantastic job on the left side for Arizona. Montreal. All right. So I already know your pick. Do you? Yeah. Well, right now, if this were the real draft, I think half of the Montreal fan base would be yelling at me to take the French-Canadian high-scoring forward, Raphael Lavoie. The other half would be yelling at me to take the brother of Nick Suzuki, Ryan Suzuki, for the Montreal Canadiens. So, um, based on my feelings towards the Montreal Canadiens, I'm going to take neither of them and actually (laughs) help them out here. I'm going with Mississauga defenseman Thomas Harley. At this point, his skill set is too good to pass up. Montreal is not particularly deep at defensive prospects. They're not particularly deep at forward prospects. So they can really just go best player available here. And to me, Harley is that guy. Okay. Uh, With the 16th pick, the Colorado Avalanche, who have already tried and failed to select Bowen Byram, (laughs) will take Moritz Seider from Germany. Ooh. Um, he is a big right shot D he played in the men's world championships. It, the tournament ended a little early for him, but he, you know, that doesn't really happen. And so I think he's, he's got a big upside. I'm very curious to see, um, you know, where he's playing in the next couple of years. I think he's still under contract in Mannheim. So I would expect that he's back there. Um, but Colorado kind of has a D situation where they don't need it immediately. Um, but he does have the kind of body that you would think will translate reasonably soon to the NHL. Um, and I, I think he could, he could really be a, a great ad for them. They're building a great core, adding him, uh, behind Kale McCarr in that mix. Um, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be loaded. Can you, you have to imagine that Colorado hopes Brad is the GM of the Blackhawks because if they get their hands on the best center not named Jack Hughes in the draft and then a possible uh, top pairing defenseman or, or top four defenseman all before pick 17, they'll be laughing. Like, yeah, Joe Sackick will be mailing Brad uh, flowers. <laughs> you know who else will be mailing me flowers? Every fan of the Chicago Blackhawks. It feels gross to say, but... <laughs> Uh, pick 17 for Vegas uh, to me this is an incredibly easy pick if the draft shakes out this way uh, they had to give up Eric Branstrom in the trade for Mark Stone and they will be able to replenish their defensive pipeline almost immediately by taking uh, Cam York um, who would be available if things did uh, play out this way uh, Cam York is a guy who's been kind of up and down various draft boards uh, but has shown an incredible amount of talent um, at different points in the season and they would not be hurt to have the uh, power play or the defensive power play quarterback of the US NTDP uh, in their draft pipeline at pick 17. Pick 18, Dallas, Max, or Brad. Yeah. Sorry. This is me. And um, best player available lines up with the position of need here for the Dallas Stars. They are pretty stocked defensively in their system right now, and they have a lot of depth scoring issues. So let's grab one of the best playmakers in the draft and give the Stars Ryan Suzuki. Ryan Suzuki to the Stars. Okay, so Ottawa by way of the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Duchesne draft pick. Who's going to Ottawa? Oh, I. That is the question. Max, you could have a lot of fun here. Ryan, did you take Kaliev? Yeah. 
14th. Um, how could I have fun here, Brad? Because okay, so this is just my thoughts, thinking out loud. Take it for whatever you will. I just want to point out that Ottawa is a very young rebuilding team who is parading out a 38-year-old starting goaltender. Oh, maybe I will have a little bit of fun here. Mm-hmm. Who else is in this neighborhood? I think Ottawa fans would be so mad if they took a goalie with their... Are you kidding me? I think they'd be over the moon. Spencer Knight is so impressive. He Okay, I know the combo doesn't mean anything. Spencer Knight was an absolute freak yesterday. His long jump was like far and away the best. He He's just an athletic monster. Um, and it's very rare outside of the top 10 do you ever get a franchise-changing player. <laughs> but a goalie could be that. Um, I think the Senators already have Shabbat and Brand System. So Soderstrom feels like it would be almost a little bit of a, if there's such a thing as this, an Ottawa luxury pick. Mm-hmm. I think I will take Spencer Knight. I think best goalie in the draft, um, you know, smart, intelligent player. I think he's going to rise reasonably quick. Uh, you you can always question if you have a good handle for a goalie's, you know, ceiling. Goalies are unpredictable, um, but I think in in night you're getting as close to a sure thing goalie as you're going to find. And so I think for Ottawa, a team that you know, like Brad was saying, there's really not that that doesn't really exist at pick 19 in most drafts. So they will take uh, take the chance on on other people's apprehensions, and that historically has proven to sometimes result in uh, magical success. And given that Ottawa's rebuilding and all the trades they made, their their prospect pipeline is so unbelievably stocked right now that if they miss on this pick, it's not devastating to their franchise long term. I think uh, the Rangers with uh, Winnipeg's first overall pick or first overall first round pick uh, at pick twenty here will have a few different options. They will end up with Capocacco, uh, who's a winger, and so. But I don't think that center talent is quite available here. Um, I think they'll just kind of go best best player available, which is uh, likely at this point Raphael Lavoie uh, out of the queue. Um, he has played some center before, but it, it's more so his his you know pure skills his raw talent that he has here. Um, this is a guy with a lot of potential and with some refinement to his game could be uh, an absolute force. And so if they can get him to play center down the line, great. If not, it's not exactly um, what they'd be drafting him for. They would just be absolutely stocked with Kako and Lavoie coming down that pipeline. Pittsburgh, pick 21. Now I know why you guys gave me pick three. You gave me all the enemies. Yeah, you did. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Again, Pittsburgh's system, not very great at the moment, so they can always go best player available. To me, at this point, that is five foot nine Swedish winger Nils Hoaglander. Skill for days, and this is a team that enjoys their skill, and if he's going to learn from anybody, you know Sidney Cross is probably not the worst. This guy to learn from. All right, the New York Islanders at pick, or sorry, the LA Kings by way of Toronto at pick 22, Max. I also just want to say that Nils Hoglander is yoked. I was like stunned for a five foot nine guy. Jeez. He is. 5'9", 185. Yeah. Good for you, man. 
Um, okay. Los Angeles Kings need everything. <laughs> uh, not including Patrick Marlowe. They didn't understand oh. those rumors. Man. You got a lot to choose from here. There's still a ton of, there's a glut of talent. Their first pick was Zegris? Uh, yeah. The Los Angeles Kings will select Victor Soderstrom of Sweden. Um, I was actually surprised at how low Corey has him on his board, but he seems like a consensus uh, going to go you know, in the top 25 range. I don't know if the Kings can afford to pass that up at this point in the draft. Um, yeah, that's who the pick is. Especially if they miss out on Byram. I think uh, Zegra Soderstrom Hall would be pretty. Um, be oh, can they draft Byram? Uh, <laughs> no, Byram needs two more picks before he can be drafted again before oh, his okay. he refreshes. Yeah, I'm take, I'm going to take him for Nashville at 24. <laughs> uh, I think the or the Islanders. Um, he, I may want to make sure I'm getting his team right. Uh, I want to pull up this guy's. No, I'm not pulling up his name properly. Um, so the Islanders at pick 23 will take left winger Patrick Pistola out of. Tapara out of uh, the Finnish league. I'm sorry for all of our Finnish listeners for butchering that name. Um, I think Pistola, is, that would be around his range. I, I've seen some people have him, you know, as high as 15 and as low as 30. But I think Pistola at pick 23 would be a good grab for the Islanders uh, to play on the wing. Brad, for Nashville. Nashville Predators. Now this one doesn't seem like as <laughs> as Ryan writes in Byron. Uh this one doesn't seem like as obvious as a pick because naturally everybody would just kind of lean forward for the Predators here. Um, but with all the rumors that they might actually move a defenseman to immediately upgrade at forward, it might not be as slam dunk of as a pick here. Um, so I think defense is very much in play here. But since you guys took all the defensemen in this range I like, I'm going with Bobby Brink. Oh yeah, nice. Brink fell. That's actually would be a great pick for Nashville. All right, the, you know what would be a great pick for Nashville is trading up for Peyton Krebs because isn't his family like a like aren't they like a country music sensation or something? His sister, I believe, is a country. Yeah, musician. that's right. Oh man, they get yeah. Carrie Underwood and Peyton Krebs. It'd be amazing. Well, they them. might have to trade Carrie Underwood to Vancouver to get Peyton Krebs. To be fair, Vancouver accepts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the, that would be the biggest headline of the draft. Why aren't we the ones making these decisions? <laughs> it's a draft. The draft is in Vancouver. That would make a hell of a splash. Yeah. <laughs> she walks out onto the stage and sings a football song. Patterson's like, yeah, I think I can work with that. <laughs> yep, and the newest president like, of the time. Yep. <laughs> And let's not forget, it's a package trade. So the newest president of hockey operations for the Vancouver Canucks is Mike Fisher. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, I think Canucks fans would actually be happy with that, too. All right, the Washington Capitals want to know who you're selecting for the Max. And the answer is Phil Tomasino, center out of Niagara. Um, the Capitals, I think they could pretty much use anything, too. They, they could use a little infusion of youth on defense. Um, of course, Nick Jensen also could be that infusion of, I don't know, moderate youth. Uh, but I think behind Backstrom and Kuznetsov, Tomasino could be brought along to be their next uh, top six center when when that is time. Um, yeah, he had a good good season for Niagara. Um, I don't never saw him play, but yeah, 
everything looks good here. For uh, Calgary, I think they'll get to pick 26 and see uh, the amount of talent still available um, in Pavel Dorofiev. He is a little bit of a divisive pick um, out of Metallurg Magnitogorsk in Russia, um, but they'll see the amount of raw talent that that guy has and they'll take the calculated risk to take him, give him some time to put on some uh, strength and muscle, and uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with uh, on the wing in Calgary. Tampa Bay. Well... Tampa Bay has a history of being successful drafting players named Braden out of Moose Jaw in the WHL. So I'm going to continue that trend, and I'm going to give the Tampa Bay Lightning left winger Braden Tracy from the Moose Jaw Warriors. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's exhausting being friends with them, Max. I really need to know that. All right. No, I was just going to draft him here for Carolina. So. (laughs) Um... The absolute Canes the absolute. will select Nick Robertson out of Peterborough. Oh. Um, yeah, that's right. Oh, Corey has a 70 grade on his shot, a 65 grade on his hockey sense, a 60 grade on his puck skills. To me, that sounds exactly like the player the Hurricanes could add. I don't, you know, you can't really expect a guy of his size, uh, you know, five foot nine to be necessarily a quick add to a team that could probably use it. But he was a point-per-game player for Peterborough this year, and I think as, as a finisher, he comes up the pipeline. Maybe you play him with Martin HS, uh, and, and he makes a big impact for them down the line. Uh, Anaheim wanted him, Max. Thanks for nothing. Anaheim's already had a first-round pick. They can they can complain somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think Anaheim, with their uh, second first-round pick, uh, will take Vili Hainola, a defenseman out of Finland, um, to continue their seemingly endless turnstile of uh, top-four defensemen coming out of that team. Um, I think to come out of this draft with a pod Colson, Hainola, Hall would be a great start to uh, restocking the future, um, well, the future of that team, which is crumbling pretty quickly if I might say so um, Hainola would be a good value pick and I think that this is about where people have him so that would make sense Uh, we'll call pick 31 the Blues not because we're predicting that they'll lose but because that's just where it would be right now so Brad for the hypothetical Blues we are going to take Russian centerman Ilya Nikolaev for the Blues because they're kind of good everywhere so best player available for me the Boston Bruins. Oh, this could go a couple directions. Hmm. Do they need defense? I think Bowen Byram's available. Is he available again? Wow. Yeah. Brad Pass. Um, yeah, this wasn't doing it for me there. <laughs> Let's see. I'm tempted to take all quote team member Igor Afanasyev out of Muskegon. But I think if I'm being true to what the Bruins should take and a guy who would fit their style very well, I'm going to go with future Michigan Wolverine, John Beecher center from the NTDP sneaking in at the last pick of the first round He's a two-way player. I think he has a little bit of offense, more offense in there than maybe he gets credit for. But he is a a behemoth, a force. He plays both ends. Um, I can just see him in in the in the Boston system 
being exactly what they what they would want to just plug and play, um, play be able to play heavy, be able to score the goals when when they need them in the playoffs, uh, and be able to shut down other teams' lines. So they will take the beach man. All right, and that rounds out our first five more picks. <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. You want to do five more? Yeah, we got to get to thirty-five. How come? No reason. Okay. Uh, so pick 32. Oh, my God. Who would be 32? It would be... Um, the Ottawa, Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Unless they traded it to Colorado. No. No, they didn't. And yeah. uh, fun stat, uh, just kind of quickly tabulated with the end of our first round. That means that eight players from the USN TDP went in the first round. I broke a record. Hey. <laughs> and hey, if you want to count the U18s at the end, Bobby Brink, we can make it an eight and a half. Wow, that's kind of Bobby Brink's the new half man. He's the new. Well, he's like five foot three, and he played a tournament <laughs> with them. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, for pick thirty-two, I have to. I was starting to close all my stuff. I'm going to pull my rankings back up here. Uh, I believe it would be Ottawa. Because that the draft lottery draft lottery only affects yeah it's the first Ottawa round. L A New Jersey Detroit Carolina Carolina all right I'm just gonna type this out Ottawa L A New Jersey Detroit Canes Canes okay so Ottawa at pick thirty two uh, we'll we'll take um, I've taken a lot of fins here but I think uh, no I've never felt good about that pick now. No, uh, they'll take Alex Vlasic. Uh, Ottawa will be happy to take Alex Vlasic at that pick. He is slated to go probably late first round instead of early second, and so I think that would be good value for them. Brad, for the uh, LA Kings? I'm going to go, I'm going to reach a bit here and go with Bowen Byram. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me consult my list to see where we're at here. I, for the LA Kings, we gave them... It was Zegris and who was the second first rounder? Soderstrom. So we have a forward and a defenseman. I'm going to give them all around solid hockey player, Connor McMichael. Can never have too many centers. All right, for the New Jersey Devils. I'm Ray Shiro again. Yeah. Hoboken, New Jersey native. They've already got Jack Hughes. Now they need someone to play him with. Um, I guess they already have Taylor Hall. I guess this guy's not playing on Jack's line. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go to my all-quote team and take Igor Afanasyev. Um, I never got out to Muskegon to see him, but Corey does have some pretty impressive grades on him. He's got a 60 on his shot, 60 on his physical game, 60 on his puck skills. The question is the skating. Let's just say that like uh, Michael's special stuff or whatever it's called thing <laughs> happens and some of Jack's skating rubs off on him and Afanasiev becomes an absolute monster. To be fair, if Afanasiev is playing on the opposite wing of um, Taylor Hall with Jack Hughes, he might not even need to skate. No. There you go. The other two guys have that covered. Third man in the zone. Uh, so Max hates fun and took away uh, the possibility of an Athanasiev Athanasiu. Oh. Uh, yeah, so thanks for nothing, Max. Uh, with pick 35, I think Detroit's going to look to the defensemen that are available. And even though we plucked them clean in the first round, uh, I've been re- the more I look at Tobias Bjornfot, Bjornfot, 
I don't know how exactly how to say it. Uh, the more I like him, and I think he's could be a little bit of a McIsaac pick where he seems not flashy but really solid all around. And then the more time you give him, you realize he's oh yeah, he's also flashy and productive. Okay. And so how's his name spelled? B J R O N F O T. I believe that's pronounced Bufflin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, actually, if I you... will have a uh, Bjornfutt nugget this week. Oh, interesting. Look okay. at that for timing. So, yeah, pick 37, Bowen Byram. Or pick 35, Bowen Byram. Bjornfutt out of uh, Dior Garden. Dior Garden. I'm sorry, everyone. It's not my best. Dior Garden. Yeah, in Sweden. Okay, let's do let's do the two Canes picks just for, just for shoots. All right, well, they have enough defensemen, so I'm going to pick a forward here because obvious reasons, and we're going to go... Samuel Fagamo. Okay. The forward out of the overage forward out of Sweden who had a really solid year in the SHL. So he might be a guy that plugs into the lineup sooner rather than later with Carolina, who's looking to be good now. And Max and the last Canes pick, I'm going to take a guy who I actually think the Red Wings should look really hard at for potentially pick 35 but certainly if he if if they can trade up for him somewhere in the second round uh swedish winger from jurgarden albin greve who compare who says the the player he emulates is brad marchand in terms of being an irritant and getting under guy's skin i asked him if he's ever stepped on a player's stick and he said no um but i think maybe he has it in him so you take uh, Greve as your next uh, irritant. I just can you imagine? Like, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you if you guys have like seen any of his interviews, but he he's like an awesome character. I want to cover him, uh, but I also think that he could make a legitimate, like, really good third line player who has some skill and can also play that uh, really high compete, uh, just get under your skin game. So that would be uh, that that'll round it out for the Canes, but uh, name to file away for the Red Wings as well. So Max just flexed on me there. I couldn't pronounce. I could hardly pronounce Jurgarden. He goes, Alvin Greve out of Jurgarden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always thought it was pronounced Gru or Gruy. So thank you for. Uh, I was having a hard time finding his it's name. It's like gravy with like a little bit of like oomph on the first syllable. Yeah, a little Greve. bit of zhuzh. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so uh, these picks will be. We'll put them up for everyone uh, on Twitter uh, and everywhere else to see, and I'll also attach our names to it. So. Uh, when things go drastically wrong, you know who to tag and uh, whose mentions to blow up. Max, you are uh, you have some moving to do. Uh, New Jersey is a beautiful place to live, so congratulations <laughs> on that. We'll come visit you, though. We definitely do. Will. I get ratio of salary at least? Is that like? Um, yeah, but in New Jersey dollars, so it's basically <laughs> just a truckload of what is that? Just casino casino tokens? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay, so first round uh, mock draft completed. Max, thank you so much. Uh, we promise we won't take uh, such a long break before having you back on again. That way we won't have to shake off all the rust. Um, yeah, we will uh, talk again soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Very fun as always. Welcome back. That was our first round plus five plus six picks mock draft. Uh, that is our second mock draft that we will be doing uh, of three in advance of the real draft. The last one will come close to um, literally right before yeah, draft day. So it will be useful for, to you for two days. Uh, so make sure that you listen to that episode right away. Um, yeah, that was uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with that turned out. I think I we, got to pick, we got to pick Bowen Byram six times. Oh that's, man, that's a record. 
Max must know something that we don't, eh? He's able to just kind of select Byram again right after you do. Because well, because someone tell Detroit before we started recording, the whole conversation we had was about how certain we were Turcotte was going number oh, yeah. three to Chicago. But I wasn't Stan Bowman. I got to pick my best player available. Oh. And I wanted to throw a wrench in everything. And I think I pissed him off again when I took Braden Tracy. <laughs> yeah, the you, the you audible know. groan. <laughs> I'm trying to find where I put the uh, – oh, yeah, mock draft. Yeah, Turcotte is going third. Like, Oh, I would absolutely bet money on Turcotte going third. That That's that's not a safe pick, but about as safe as a pick as you're going to get in this draft past Hughes and Um but I, I think people are overstating Chicago's defensive prospects. They're very much in the situation of Detroit right now where there's a lot of good defensive prospects, but nobody you can say is likely to be a number one. So I – and I do think Byram is the third best prospect in this draft. So if I'm Chicago, I'm I'm taking them. And it's not like they're not they're, – they're thin at Ford for prospects in Chicago. They don't have any game breakers, but they got guys that are going to be ready to step in soon. This is the last time I'm going to do this. I promise you. I promise. I promise. I promise. I'm going to try to stop doing this. I know there's no point in it. There's no value to this. It's not good radio. It's not good analysis. But Detroit was one win streak away from being in the position to draft in the top three. You say one position away. Had they just lost that game to New Jersey at the end of the season, they're picking first, Ryan. Forget the win streak. They just needed to lose one game. <laughs> I'm not concerned about Hughes or Kako. I'm. It's just the the chance at being guaranteed one of Byram or Turk. Uh, can you imagine? There is no. If Detroit was at in third or fourth spot, I actually wouldn't be married to one or the other because I love the idea of drafting both of them so much. Anyways, that's the last. I'll do it. I promise. We're, we're just building up karma for when Detroit just misses the playoffs next year and we jump. All the way up to one or two to get Lafreniere or Lucas Raymond. It's fine, Ryan. We're It's fine. It's fine. Um, th- one thing I do want to say is that the more I look at this, the more I do love Detroit's chances at getting a fantastic pick that directly fills a need at six. And I'm talking about Trevor Zegers here. I do like And it's not to discount Cole Caulfield. I don't think Zegers is ahead of Caulfield by that much. But Zegers... I think people are understating his potential to possibly be something more than um, the sixth best player in this draft or fifth best player in this draft. I think that we're really understating his uh, game-breaking potential, and there's so much to be said. We had a conversation. I can't remember if, if it was during the interview or beforehand where there's a lot of gaps in terms of players' developments, and it's really hard to pin down where we've, we've not filled in those niches. So Zegers has a whole other step that hasn't even been explored. Man, if that guy adds another, you know, high-end facet to his game and he's already an elite playmaker with fantastic vision and hockey IQ, we're talking a guy who could be the best center on this team. I I would love that for Detroit. Or, worst case scenario, they get Cole Caulfield or, you know, Eisenman takes a shot on Vasily Podkolzin or something and you still get a great player at six. It's real like, as much as... I'm going to do that shitty thing that I just did where I, you know, moaned and cried about something that's done and had no control over. Detroit's still walking away with a great, great piece being added, um, moving them further along in their rebuild. So there's a lot to be excited about, and it's it's going to be super interesting. I don't think Turcotte or Byram are going to fall. I think that's like you know, less than 5% chance of happening at this point, but there's 
a really, really, really great chance that they get their pick of Zegris, Caulfield, or whoever else they like. You are not a fan of um, drafting Cousins or Doc. I am not. Doc is a guy who I've seen um, a lot of talk being circulated that he's going top five. That would be fantastic because that means one of the guys I want to drop would have dropped and one of the guys I don't particularly want to try to draft at six is not available for them at six. Again, not that I think Doc's a bad player. I think I have him at 11th or 12th on my board, but you don't pick someone ranked 11th or 12th at six. You know, that's just basic math. I have I have Kirby, Doc, or sorry, I have Dylan Cousins ranked 7th. I would want Zegers or Caulfield ahead of him. Where did I have Cousins? I had him 8 or 9, I believe. Yeah. So, again, not that I think he's a bad player. We we actually talked about Cousins at length with Max before we started recording. Just He's that, he's that definition of all the tools are there. There's nothing to really dislike about his game, but are the tools high-end enough to pick at 6? And outside of his skating, I say no. That's, that's all it comes down to for me. <laughs> with that, uh, I'm going to bring us over to Overtime, which of course is brought to you uh, by our Patreon supporters whose comments get read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thanks. I know during our Patreon exclusive episode, we didn't get to uh, the Overtime questions. It was kind of a maybe, so I'm going to be asking a couple of those as well. We'll start with Kalen Wood uh, from last week. He says, hey, nerds. So Oliver Kasky, pretty sure you've talked about him before, but I have the memory of a goldfish, so I can't remember. Forgive me. He looks good, right? Can you speak uh, a little on how you see him potentially making the lineup and how he squeezes through the logjam on the blue line or how he'd be better served in Grand Rapids for a season? I'm a huge defense guy, so I get excited about the prospect of another young stud backing up our boys in front. Okay, so I'm admittedly I haven't taken the time to research his contract yet because he's on only a one year contract. So as much as my initial gut says send him to Grand Rapids, give him a year because the scouting report on him is great offensively, atrocious defensively. Um, you'd want him to spend at least a year on the smaller ice adapting. Um, atrocious, probably over-exaggerating it, but still. But I don't know if he's a UFA or an RFA at the end of the year. So don't fully know what to expect there. The only way he truly makes this roster this year is if Iserman jettisons a couple of the vets into the sun and he has a way better training camp than one of Hironik or Shlosky. So I, I don't think his odds are great to make the team, but I don't know. I've I've only my viewings of Oliver Kasky at this point have been limited to the world championships. So I'm not thrilled. Like I'm or sorry, I shouldn't say I'm not thrilled. I like the signing. I think it's uh, a great depth signing. I think he'll be a good project for Grand Rapids. Worst case, he's a great player for Grand Rapids, can develop there, maybe fill in some time in Detroit if needed. Uh, best case, he parts of his games that I'm concerned about explode. He becomes a way better defenseman, and all of a sudden Detroit has a um, solid third or second pairing guy that shoots right and is, uh, you know, walk past everyone else's radars. I don't project the latter to happen, but you can almost never project that to happen. Otherwise, he'd be drafted to a team or signed already. Um, yeah, it's not something I'm over the moon about. I think we tend to overhype these kinds of signings because, A, there's no content or anything happening right now. And, B, we try to make anyone into the next Lidstrom or Cronwall. Um, and that's just fool's gold. So we shouldn't hold that against Kasky. I think he's a, he's a good project, the right kind of signing, a lot of uh, home run potential there, but at the very least, he'll help out Grand Rapids, which is the kind of thing you need. On that note, Eisenman uh, has let like pretty much the entire 2017 draft class go unsigned, which was a big move in reshaping the prospect pool 
uh, in his vision. So for all of you who who contend that Eisenman and Holland uh, think the same way in how to design a team, that is the first indication that that is absolutely not the case. And wasn't that the draft where Detroit like specifically said that they wanted to draft big guys? Yes. And and yeah, nothing's coming of that draft yeah. of the later rounds of that draft now. So it's not really a surprise. Did they uh, end up signing Zach Gallant? Because I know he's still playing with Toledo. I think they're waiting until the ECHL. Yeah, because the other, everybody else. Um, uh, Riley Webb, Brady Gilmore, Lane Zablocki, and Cole Fraser. They're all just going without contracts. And three of them played in the OHL, so we got I got lots of viewings this year. Yeah, they should have never been drafted in the first place. No, it's not. Riley Webb and, and um, Fraser, like in hindsight, were laughably bad picks, even though they were late. It, I'm happy that I it, – it, it's not like Detroit's terribly behind the eight ball, and these aren't like big money moves here, but – this is the kind of stuff where you see Eisenman saying, okay, need less of this, more of this. Let's clear out the dead weight. Yeah. And then go signs a small skilled defenseman in Oliver Caskey. So, yeah. um, Kalen's Wood, uh, Kalen's, Kalen's Wood, Kalen Wood's comment continues to say, as for jerseys, Brad, I'm sorry, but I think a touch of black could look pretty sharp for the upcoming third jersey. Hear me out. You're old and the 90s are back. I hate this as much as you, I'm sure. I think we're the same age. Sorry, but it's true. And in the 90s, I had a slick, uh, AF Red Wings starter Anorak, another sign of my age, knowing what that word is, that I used to gallivant around downtown Detroit in. I loved it. It was flawless design. It had a hint of black in the sleeves and waistband, I think. Loved it. Could see a bit of an Ottawa Senators vibe color scheme potentially working for us. Having said that, still craving the revamp Barbara poll, but just trying to get some conversations going. Love is always Kalen. If you want to know what the Detroit jerseys look like, would look like him with black. Ottawa is not the best comparison. How do you feel about the New Jersey Devils jerseys? Because that's probably the closest comparison to what we would get. I like not, New Jersey's jerseys. I like them, but they're not like top. They're like a very average jersey for me. I think the jerseys with green in them are like... Oh, those are world class. Those are like... People don't understand how fresh those are. Yeah. Um, Joe Falzon says, hypothetical time. Athens, you or Mantha have privately asked for a trade and you will accommodate... Who, what slash who are you looking for in return, given the currency of the team, quantity, excuse me, or quality? Quality. You're 100%. trading a guy of that caliber. You are putting together a package. First first try would be to put together put together a package for a premier defenseman or defensive prospect. Athanasiu comes to me and says, I want to trade. I am on the phone immediately with Kevin Sheldayoff and saying, okay. Athens to you for Truba. How do we work this out? Well, who needs to add what? What are the contracts looking like? Yada, yada, yada. That's that's my first phone call if Athens to you asked for a trade. If if it's like Athens to you has to be out the door, there's no way we're retaining him. Then that becomes a that I'm starting to hear that value. Yeah, for Truba. Because the thing is about Truba is you have to pay for him twice. Yeah, because you you don't know what Sheffield Dayoff's asking for. If you ask Winnipeg fans on Twitter, geez, they I someone unironically said to me that the trade has to start with Detroit's sixth overall pick. Ha! <laughs> You're funny. Um, and then you have to pay him in a year. Yep. And if... You but know, you would have to pay Athanasiu in a year as well, so that kind of offsets. Right, but is Athanasiu's underlying numbers and performance better or worse than his perceived value? And then same question for Truba, because I think we have two different answers there. I... Personally, tend to think if we're actually going what their actual value is versus what their perceived value, I think they're both a touch on the high, higher on the perceived end of things. Yeah. So I think they're actually 
could be a trade there. But then you look at the premium you have to pay for defensemen. No, I agree. Another team that would make a ton of sense is you get on the phone with Nashville right away. Uh, Garrett TV says, guys, first of all, sorry I always leave such long comments. I plan to up my Patreon contribution a bit starting in June as a thank you for enduring my lack of brevity. Oh, we're always happy to have you, Garrett, but we appreciate your generosity. Uh, anyway, continuing some previous Carlson conversation, the reasons to not sign him is not the injuries. That just complicates it a little more. The issue is value. Paying huge money for Carlson is probably okay for a couple of years, but it puts us in a bad spot in a couple of years when we're actually possibly contending and have massive roster decisions to make. Larkin, Athanasiu, Mantha, Hronik, uh, not to mention, or Hronik, not to mention the Zadinas and Valenos maybe needing bridge deals or outright extensions. We'd be paying a premium for the best years of Carlson when it honestly won't make a difference. He does not make our team a contender, and his cap hit is not high return on interest in the long term. Rebuilding teams need high value from what they pay out, and we'd have to overpay to get him. Finally, the analytics strongly suggest that this is a horrible time to buy. Guys of his age and tenure, uh, regardless of skill, have a very poor expected value trajectory on basically all metrics uh, besides defense after 27 to 28 years old. He's 29. Even if we get a bit better with him today we would we'll be stuck in a draft purgatory and also not good enough to contend at best look at Doughty he's worth every penny of his 11 million dollar salary yet he's still doing nothing to help the Kings contend the roster around him is still top heavy with little scoring depth weak center depth and little speed Carlson's not the answer no matter how skilled he is today and even if he's healthy long term Brad I don't expect you to change your mind but we'll have to agree to disagree let's go Red Wings nothing well Nothing I haven't already said that he knows. That's why he said agree to disagree because I, <laughs> I, I understand and I know what he's saying about the age versus the production value. But I look at players aging and I look at the skill sets they have and I look at what makes them great players. Because, for example, I'll look at a guy like Andreas Athanasiu and I don't think he'll age very well because his game relies so heavily on his speed and that's not a skill set that holds up past 30. I look at a guy like... Anthony Mantha, who relies on his strength and precision to be as good as he is, he'll probably age better. Eric Carlson does not rely on his skating. He relies on his puck skills and his elite, elite, elite hockey IQ. Those are two skills that don't go away. So will 35-year-old Eric Carlson be as good as 29-year-old Eric Carlson? No, of course not, but it, he'll still be really damn good. And yeah, right now, if you took... 35-year-old Eric Carlson and put him into Detroit today at $10 million a year, you're absolutely getting ripped off. But if you go eight years down the road, that percentage of cap is going to be dramatically different. So you're not going to be paying him like the other top 10 defensemen in the world will be paid at the time. He will be a paid like an average top defenseman, which isn't going to be unstomachable and can't and low enough that you can work around it at that point. Because again, let's not forget, we have expansion and legalized gambling coming into hockey. Those are going to be two massive revenue boosts, which are only going to drive the cap up. Another TV deal coming as well. Exactly. So again, I'm not saying like those are things you can bank on, but it's a calculated risk. And I, I still think it's a calculated risk worth taking. And if he doesn't age well, cool. Just don't put any trade protection and no move clauses in the back half of that contract. <laughs> uh, Liz Barbudo says, is there any player you'd prefer Detroit stay away from at six? Brad, two words. Kirby Duck. And again, I don't want to just sit here and say like he's a bad player, but I have massive concerns about his top end ability at number six. Um, for me, it would be Doc and then any winger not named Cole Caulfield. I, Pod I, Colson? 
No, I don't think you're right. Pod Colson, I would still be happy with. He's not my favorite pick at that spot, but I would understand it. I think I wouldn't want to see them get cute and take like a boldy or something there. No. Um, Tyler C says, could Brink be this year's Berggren with our first second round pick? Don't think Brink gets that far, but if he does, Detroit should absolutely take him. Yeah, the, and if he does fall there, then yeah, it would absolutely it would, would be maybe a better version of Berggren, if that's possible. Uh, Graham says we've conquered all of Europe. We're never going to stop from Paris down to Turkey. We've won the freaking lot. You'll never walk alone. Ale, ale, ale. It's uh, Brad. That's a soccer thing. I for Liverpool. Yeah, I. It just feels. I was watching the game yesterday, and I like watching when Liverpool was only up one uh one nil they were like my whole like body seized up I'm like oh my god I haven't felt this about sports in literally a decade what's a bigger deal in soccer winning the premiership or winning the champions league it depends on who you ask it really depends on what your team has done right now any Liverpool fan would give their arm and leg to win a premiership because they haven't done it they this is Liverpool's sixth champions league there's teams that have never won a champions league but have won their own respective like uh domestic titles so it, it i don't want to say equal footing because it, it just varies for me i'm just i'm i'm still over the moon that liverpool won i feel like i feel like my team is a champion but it still hurts me a little bit that they put up a 97 point season and still came second to the cheaters manchester city uh matthew m rice says is there any reason to be more excited about the three second round picks as opposed to the six overall pick is there any scenario where the Wings trade down and acquire more picks if their guy isn't on the board at six? They are not trading down from six unless the return is otherworldly. The Yeah, the tiers have kind of fleshed out. And even though there's a guys anywhere from three to ten that you can make an argument for at third overall, it seems to be uh, Turcotte Byram and then a tier of Zegris, Caulfield, Cousins, and then... Pod Coles and Doc Boldy's in that for a lot of guys. So no matter pretty much wherever you're trading down from, you're likely not getting your guy anymore. Here's the thing too that people always ignore about this end of the conversation: if three to ten is so equal, or sorry, let's just say five to ten is so equally skilled. If you're a team at ten, why are you trading up? You're not giving up an extra asset, even though you know you're getting a similarly skilled player. Yeah. So Detroit would have to trade out of that window to get any sort of significant return, and at that point, I don't think it's worth it unless, again, the return is just ludicrous. And uh, we have a comment from a new patron, Maxwell Boltman. Maxwell Boltman says, "Sup, boys. Hey, Max. Welcome to the that was quick. Holy <laughs> crap." <laughs> We just got off the phone. <laughs> Max went straight from the interview to Patreon. Uh, Max, uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast uh, family. Thank you for your support. Uh, check out our most recent episode, which is right now, and you'll hear a great interview from uh, Max Boltman of The Athletic. Um, he puts out some great stuff, so worth checking out there. Uh, if you don't already have an athletic subscription, of course. Uh, we have time for some Reddit questions, of course. Banana is larger, says, hey, guys, you always talk about just making the picks, but also talk about how we don't need depth guys. Is there a point if someone falls in around the 20 range, plus or minus a few picks, that we should look to move up to grab? If so, who should we be looking at? Pod Colson, Newhook, York, others? Thanks from Brett. You should always be willing to move up um, based if on if you really like a guy. But statistics show that trading down is... you Once you get out of the top 15, trading down is usually more beneficial. I mean, look at... The Red Wings essentially traded Chikrin for Hironik and Chalosky. Detroit came out on the 
top end of that trading down. They traded essentially traded Mirko Mueller for Anthony Manth and Tyler Bertuzzi. So with those three second round picks, as much as you'd love to trade up, I wouldn't take take your shot, shoot your shot as uh, many as you can get. I think if there's a guy like say Detroit, obviously like very likely misses out on Byram and Cam York is just falling, falling, falling. And a team says, Hey, give us a second and something else. Yeah, I think I would move up to grab someone like that, but it would have to be a guy who's probably ranked top 15 who's falling within range. The argument against doing that came just last year because I was – I'm sure if you go back through my tweets, I probably was screaming by pick 20 for Detroit to get up and take Joe Valeno. Yeah. Didn't matter. They got him anyway. And uh, Joe Valeno is also the exception to the rule. Generally, when guys slide like that, it's for a reason. They – Remember when Angelo Esposito slid and everybody was stunned. Well, yeah. what came of that? And so, again, Valeno's the exception, not the norm. So, and again, statistically speaking, when you go through percentage of players that pan out, what is it like picks 25 to like 50 appreciably? There's almost no difference. Uh, Hockey0284 says, how do you guys feel about Hughes choosing not to participate in the physical assessment or about Kako uh, choosing not to attend at all? How much does the combine really affect teams' decisions? It affects teams' decisions quite a bit. I mean, I think the combine is probably why Detroit chose Michael Rasmussen. They said he pretty much blew them away in the interview because of his character. Um, (laughs) But in terms of Hughes and Kako, I, I think if anyone puts up a fuss about it, they're kind of, you know, off the rocker. Kako's not he knows he's going second overall. He guy has had a long season. Hughes, same thing. He's coming off injury. He's just had a long season with a lot of minutes. Um, they know where they're going in this draft, and there's no point in coming to this combo. They pretty much have everything to lose and nothing to gain. The if you're upset about it or if teams are upset about it, like <laughs> Find me a team who has a second overall pick who's so upset about Capo uh, Caco not coming to the combine where they're not going to select him anymore. It just doesn't exist. They know where they're going. It's kind of like, you know, uh, if you're an NFL fan, a quarterback who is absolutely slated to go number one overall, they don't want to go do their pro day because what if they just are off target that day and all of a sudden their draft stock slips? It's a little bit different in the NFL because your contract is tied to your draft position, so you actually lose money. But it's the same thing with these guys. Like, Hughes has deserved a rest. Kako's deserved a rest. They know where they're going. The combine is more for pretty much three onwards, what teams want to be looking for, who they might want to select. Like Teams in the 8 to 12 range want to interview a slew of guys because they don't know who's going to be available there. So it's not – nobody reasonable is upset about it, and it's totally understandable why they do it. You might see it more and more, but you're definitely going to see it a lot more in the NFL where like their draft position is tied to money. So – when people, when there's like coordinated leaks about people smoking weed before the NFL draft, and all of a sudden they drop 13 positions, like that guy just lost millions of dollars. Unfortunately, can you imagine that would be the case in the NHL? It'll never God, happen. No, thank goodness. Uh, Wings fan 64 says, "Love all the player and prospect spotlights you've been doing, but every episode I'm thinking this is the guy for Detroit. Do you have a ranking of players who you want us to draft? Not factoring that factoring in the needs of teams ahead of us." Uh, yeah, our most recent Patreon exclusive covered that, I think. Yeah, and I got my list up on Patreon, just saying. Oh, I didn't put mine up there. I should do that. We should do that. But yeah, we've got, we've got rankings out there. Yeah, it's, 
I talked about this a couple episodes ago. When you do prospect spotlights and you're really in the weeds about it, like any really analyst is at this point, like we've been doing a prospect each episode. Um, I, I have sold myself on Caulfield and Zegris and Turcotte. And yeah, like it's not hard. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to say this is a guy to Detroit, and especially where Detroit's uh, drafting. We're going to be doing spotlights on top 10 players. There's no top 10 player in any given year that you're going to say, no, this would be bad for Detroit, really. Or like top five players, I should say. If you want to talk about who realistically will be available to Detroit, okay, Hughes won't be there. Kako won't be there. Turcotte and Byram almost definitely won't be there. So we're looking at Zegris, Caulfield. Um, Cousins, Cousins Doc, Colson. Those are probably the five I would guess Detroit are really looking at. And if you want me to rank them, mine are Zegris, Caulfield, uh, Cousins, Pod Colson, Doc. I think yours are identical. Nope, flip Cousins and Pod Colson. <laughs> You'd have pot over cousins. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and part of that's because, like I said, you get in the weeds about it. And part of it's because there's so much talent to be had. There's no way you're going to walk away with a bad pick. It's a free asset. Uh, also, I hope to be a patron eventually. Still working on the income thing. Got to get that bread. Panarin to Detroit. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And then he asked about sharing rankings. But, uh, yeah, we uh, shared some. We'll, and we'll release them closer to the draft, too, as well. Yeah, they'll go public eventually. But we got to give, gotta give the Patreon some love. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple. Oh, we have some Ask WWPs. Uh, Zeebs, uh, this is in line with uh, one of our other questions. But what trade value does the Red Wings second round picks have? Um Pretty much how could they move up or down with them, and what could they tr- get for trading one of those picks for a player? Uh, for a player, well, you'd be – look at what expiring contracts give you, and Detroit's not going to be in the market for that. So a second-round pick for a player with term isn't going to get you a very good player. But there is value to move up with it, for sure. There is, but again, look at historical trades. So if you want a guy at – like to get to 25, you would have to trade 35 and one of your other second-round picks. And again, based on – how often these guys pan out? I I don't. I'm not a fan of doing that unless a, a really top end guy slides, and you have to be pretty damn certain about him because you're now turning three players of similar skill into two players of similar skill. You have to be sold that that guy is night and day. He has to be a top ten, fifteen guy on your board to justify that. Uh, RC Tendy says, "What do you think about the Truba rumors? Would he be worth it? Who would you be comfortable giving up for him?" It's such a loaded question. I, I'd be comfortable giving up a lot for him if he came on a reasonable contract, and if he wants eight million a year, I'd be comfortable giving up a lot less for him. It's, it's, it's way too fluid to give an accurate answer. Honestly, as much as I would love to sit here and say, "Yep, I'm comfortable giving up Mike Green a second round pick and X prospect for Jacob Truba," but you know. Again, if he's coming cheap, I'll I'll give up the world for him. But if he's coming expensive, I don't give up much more than green in a second for him. Honestly, uh, I'm gonna just nab a couple of these questions from the overtime thread that uh, from our Patreon exclusive that we didn't get to. If yours doesn't get read out, just throw it in the next overtime, guys. Uh, we promise we'll read it out. Uh, that one was uh, we went into way more detail in that Patreon exclusive like draft rankings episode than we thought we would. Yeah. Which is a good thing. We surprise ourselves. Um, Ryan Alant says, hey, guys, first time commenting. Love the podcast. What is the worst case reasonable scenario for the upcoming draft? Oh, it was this mock draft where it went uh, Hughes, Kako, Byram, Turcotte, Zegers, Caulfield. 
Well, uh, assuming sorry. Detroit takes, I wouldn't say taking Caulfield's worst case. No, that's case not worst case. Sorry, it's top those, five. It's those top five. And then in my mind, Detroit drafts anybody not named Pod Colson or Caulfield at that point. Yeah. So Hughes, Kako, Byram, Turcott, Zegers means the best options that fit Detroit's exact needs are gone. There's still wonderful players left, but you're pretty much taking a suboptimal center compared to what was there or I'd, a winger. I'd be taking a, I'd be begging for a winger at that point just based on the talent level of everybody left, uh, which isn't ideal. For me right now, I think it's if Detroit picks Pod Colson with any of Byram, Zegris, or Turcotte left on the board. Oh, yeah. That, I would. If any of the, our top five from today are left on the board and Detroit takes anybody other than one of those five, I'm going to be a little rattled. Uh, I've seen this in a couple of mock drafts, and I feel like he's not enough of a sure thing to warrant picking over a position of need. Thanks for all the hard work you put in and go Wings. P.S. Steve Eiserman is the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, yeah. We haven't said that yet this episode. It's a nice. Thing I said I was Steve Eiserman today. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we did give you that. Um, James McMenamin says, guys, I just want to say I'm zoned in on us taking Cousins or if Turcotte, Byram, and Zegers are off the board. I'm not big on him, but I wouldn't feel right taking anyone else over him given the scenario except maybe Caulfield, but I don't know. Also, I just wanted to share my first moment as a Wings fan. I was watching Game 3 of the 95 Finals. I was 8. Wings were getting creamed by the Devils, but I thought the logo and red uniform was so cool I drew it on paper and stapled it to a red t-shirt and pretended to be Fedorov skating around on my driveway the next day. Been a fan ever since. Isn't that cute? Man, I miss Gary Thorne calling hockey games. Take care, gents. (laughs) That's such a wonderful story. That's awesome. I also remember the 95 Cup Finals. I had less fun with it than you did. Uh, I was 2 years old, so I can't pretend that I remembered it. Yeah. Screw you. Yeah. Uh, we, again, for any comments that we missed, we're sorry. Um, put them in the next episode. We promise we'll make it up to you. We want to thank all of our listeners, all of our supporters, our patrons. My goodness. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, uh, John, El- John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much, all of our listeners. Uh, again, our follower counts uh, are getting close to some key milestones, so listen to the outro. We'll, we will be back midweek reading out all your uh, incredible overtime questions, another player and prospect profile as we get closer and closer to the NHL draft. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.